Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Kaya, welcome to The Curb Podcast. My name is Andrew Pierce, and this podcast is recorded in Bulu, Perth, the home of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. On this episode, I talk with director Clayton Orgles, whose latest film, Disassociation, of a retelling of H.B. Lovecraft's story, The Picture in the House, is screening at the Long Shorts Short Long Session at the WA Made Film Festival this coming weekend. This impressive short horror film utilises the countryside of WA to unsettling effect, with central performance from Angela Lita Kay and James Hagen conjuring particularly unnerving characters. In this interview, Clayton talks about how his work on music videos has informed his filmmaking, the role horror plays in his work, as well as how he created the imagery of the film. The long, short, short, long session is now sold out, but there is a wait list available, so head over to the WA Made Film Festival Facebook page for further details. For now, here's a taste of Black Tongue with Second Death, which is one of the songs Clayton has created a music video for, and I'll stick a link in the show notes to check out his work in the music videos that he's worked on. quite stunned by it yeah and then at the end like i didn't read the press stuff that you sent through uh before watching it because i tend to like to watch something and then read a bit more about it afterwards and then i saw the the amount of roles that you did as a creative person and i'm like but how (laughs) director editor and cinematographer so yeah congratulations oh thank you impressive work how did you manage to to balance all three of those roles on past projects i've struggled a little bit with that but over time i've gradually come to i've gotten good at switching between each role so i focus on like one thing at a time and then yeah i I basically just switch to the next one so for example when i'm doing cinematography on set i might focus on the lighting for a while and then switch to thinking about the characters and start talking to the actors afterwards it it can be a balancing act sometimes trying to figure out how to switch between each role because sometimes you're in one frame of mind and then suddenly you have to completely change everything you're thinking about yeah i've done it on a lot of projects now so i guess i've just gotten used to it and i imagine that when it comes to the editing process at least you've got that ability to you know what you've done, you've, you've shot, you've directed, and now you're able to kind of plan it out. I'm curious for you, like, do you storyboard it or how do you plan your shots? Because they're really well organized and, and considered shots. It's really very effective. Thank you. So t- t- traditionally, we haven't storyboarded our projects. We usually, maybe like a couple of weeks before we go into production, I just write up a really detailed shot list in like um, Excel or something like that. Yeah, I try to give as much detail as possible. Usually when I'm writing up the shot lists, I put, rather than filling out all the different fields, like you know, focal length and, and the size of the shot and things like that. In addition to that, I add a really detailed description of what the shot is. So I have tried to detail all the camera movement in that description, as well as the character's actions. I try to describe that in a human readable way so that when we're working on set, we can easily just read the description and instantly know what the shot is that we're about to shoot. Where was it shot as well? Because it's so it's so cinematic. Like I know that 
all landscape is technically cinematic, but this here is like immediately you're, you're in the location. So yeah, where, where did you shoot it? Um, we shot it at three different locations because um, initially um, I had this um, idea where we tried to set the film in this really isolated location where you could see where the house was. So you instantly know like the house is in a place where if the characters were there, then they wouldn't be able to escape that horror. So the location I had in mind instantly when I read the short story was this house on the hill. And we had a really hard time actually finding this house on the hill in where you could see all these rolling hills behind it and you could actually see the isolation. So what we ended up doing, um, we ended up shooting those big landscape shots in 2J, which is my hometown. Um, and those really gave us, that location really gave us that sense of depth where you could see like no houses or any kind of modern setting at all. Because um, yeah, it's mostly just the grass and the rolling hills in the background. So that gave us that um, setting. And then um, to find the house, we had a lot of difficulty finding a house in a location like that. What we ended up doing was we went to Fairbridge Village in Pinjara, and that's that's kind of like it's sort of like a school camp or holiday accommodation type of thing. And the houses, all the houses there, were built in like the 1920s, so they kind of had that the right aesthetic where this character might live there. So we went to that location, and um, when we assessed it we realised that it doesn't match the 2J location at all because it's really well renovated and they've got this really short green grass that's like a golf course and there's like a fire escape going up one side of the building. So what we ended up doing to meld the two locations together is that we use visual effects. I used a technique called camera projection, which is where you create 3D models of your scene and then you texture those models using the camera footage. And when you do that, you can... You can do a lot of really interesting things. So we, I completely changed the grass. So I took that really short green grass and I tried to match it as closely as possible to the long light-coloured grass that you'd see in 2J. So I added all of those um, digitally. And then I removed the fire escape on one side of the building and I added all the ivy and I moved some windows around. I also changed the lighting a little bit to match the mood of the scene so that we could reuse those shots that we got at Fairbridge Village throughout the film and adapt it and also added some rain. So yeah, um, we used some digital effects to help combine those locations. And then um, when we shot the interior scenes, we shot that at um, Maddie Furphy house in Swanburn in Western Australia. That location is right in the middle of the suburbs. Like if you just walked outside after you're filming, you'd see like people walking their dogs and you'd see like a football oval. So what we ended up doing with that, I went to Snap Print in Midland and we had them print a large matte painting and we hung that outside the window so that way whenever you looked outside the window whenever the camera's pointed that way you see this huge like grassy background so that's how we uh, managed to create the location of the film i want to talk about the story of course you you're pulling from hp lovecraft here what was the interest what drew you to telling the picture in the house when i read the original story i thought it was a really interesting idea that i don't often see in horror films and i thought that it would make it like a really fun experience for the audience because like it's, it's quite an old story, but it's not often told. Yeah, I just thought it would be um, a really fun experience. You tend to do work in the horror genre. What is the interest for you? What draws you to that genre? When I was a, a kid, when I was um, about 14 years old, there was this institution in Perth called the Film and Television Institute, and they ran these um, holiday courses and one for like kids in high school to teach them how to make movies. First course I ever took filmmaking was make a horror movie. I just thought that was like a really, really fun experience. Since then, I've been kind of drawn to the horror genre mostly because 
I just really enjoy making horror movies. And in addition to that, I think it has a lot of audience value too, because horror movies, they kind of, that, that kind of sense of tension and suspense, it really brings an audience together because everyone kind of has a really similar experience at the end of the day. It's just a really effective way of conveying certain themes. What are you excited about with the upcoming screening at WA Made? Obviously it's uh, launching there, so it's going to be uh, great to be able to screen it at the for a local audience. Yeah, I'm just really excited for people to finally see the film because we've been working on it for quite a long time now. I'm really interested to see how it actually plays with the audience, like um, whether the things we've been working towards, like all, of, all that editing work in terms of optimising our scenes to make them um, as scary as possible and trying to create that atmosphere is actually effective in an actual audience setting. Like, I'm really interested to see how it plays with them. I think it'll be wonderful. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's so much that people will react to and it mostly comes from those two performances as well, the two core performances. I want to talk about um, a how you cast both James and Angela, but also uh, what you did to help both of them get to the point that they needed to get to for their characters. Um, when we cast the characters, we requested self-tapes because we, we prefer to um, let the actors try and do their audition in the comfort of their own home so then they can perhaps do a second take if they feel the need to. And especially with technology these days, I think it's much easier to just film it yourself using like your smartphone camera or your webcam because rather than going, going somewhere and actually performing the audition, that's just the way that we like to do things. So um, when we requested our self-tapes, we handed them an audition script and on that audition script, I decide to include a prompt to kind of give them a starting point for each character. When I'm making a film, I kind of have like a certain vision in mind. There's quite a lot of freedom in, in my vision, but I kind of have, always have a starting point. So for the old man character, I, want, I asked um, our actors to give us a performance that would appear as if he was trying to seek approval from the other character because he'd been isolated for all these years because the, the whole context of the story or the horror in the story is that the character of the old man had been pushed to the edge of society because he had these extreme views that he could extend his life unnaturally using cannibalism. So I kind of thought about the character and I thought that while he might feel a bit bitter towards the people who pushed him that way, he'd still be really lonely because humans are social creatures. So that was the initial prompt that I gave our actor. And then for the genealogist character, I was trying to figure out a way that would justify her being out in the middle of nowhere during a thunderstorm because it's not really explained during the original short story. So the solution I came up with was that the genealogist character was trying to seek a parental figure for her to t for someone to take responsibility for her character, as if um, she left this work she was given until the last minute, and she's just trying to find an easy way out. Th th those were the two prompts that I gave both of our actors. When we cast our actors, which was James Hagen as the old man and Angela Lita Kay as the a genealogist character. We then went into rehearsals and we talked a lot about the backstories of the characters and we went into as much detail as possible um, to talk about their motivations and what led them to the starting point in the story. What kind of surprises did you find along the way as the two worked with each other and throughout the, the rehearsal process as well? With certain actors, you know, as they work through the text, 
what it says on the page or, or the directions or the guidance that you, you give, the the interactions that the two have with one another might bring out unexpected things, which I, I always find interesting uh, throughout the rehearsal process. I think one of the main things was that James as an actor was a very playful actor. He'd like to experiment a lot and try a lot of different things, which I think is what ultimately led to the performance in the film. We might do one take where he'd give this really creepy performance and then in the next take he's very lively and he's trying to hype Angela up. So he's exploring all these different interpretations of the prompt that I gave him. And that kind of played off Angela as well. Yeah, because the two characters were of course listening to each other so they would interact and we'd get a lot of different um, things we could play with in post. You've worked a lot in creating music videos too. What were you able to bring from working in music videos to telling this kind of story and vice versa? Have you been able to, as you've explored horror on screen, have you been able to implement anything in the music video work that you've done as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, both ways. So what I brought over from the music video work is definitely, um, there's a lot of process elements because with music videos, because they're shot so quickly, we're able to move really quickly on set. And that can be, of course, a positive and a negative aspect. But I think overall it was quite positive. Well, I guess when I've spoken to actors in the past and other music videos, they've said to me that um, they didn't expect us to be able to move on so quickly. So we usually do only like two to three takes max, while other filmmakers might spend more time on it to really milk the scene as much as possible. By working on all these music videos and working quickly, I've taken on the more um, Spielberg approach, which is um, rather than spending all of our time on one shot, we go and get like five other great shots. And that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway I've gotten from the music video process. In terms of um, this influencing my music videos onwards, because between shooting this film and finishing it, I actually shot like um, four or five music videos. I think this film definitely taught me a lot about um, directing actors. Like I knew quite a lot of directing actors before, but I think in terms of understanding the wants and needs of each character, working with James and Angela really helped me to understand that and it, and it definitely influenced me um, when it came to directing actors and creating a good performance in um, the narratives in our music videos. What bands have you worked with as well? So I've, I've worked with a lot of bands, but um, in terms of my directing work, I think my best work would probably be, um, I did two music videos for Black Tongue, which uh, were Ultimate Nakart and Second Death. They're horror stories. They're essentially short films, short silent films that are set to music. I think those, in terms of like um, a horror experience, if you want to see more of my work in that genre, then definitely check out those music videos. There's also um, two other recent videos I did that came out last year. They're for a Perth band called Saviour. Those music videos, they have horror elements in them, but they're mostly, um, one of them's like a sci-fi drama and the other one's more a straight up drama film. So I definitely recommend uh, those four if you want to see more of my work. This interview is mostly for WA Made Film Festival, but uh, I have a kind of two-part question for you, which is, uh, number one, what does it mean to be a WA filmmaker? There is a real community here um, that, is shown by the amount of work and the great talent that is showcased at the WA Made Film Festival. So I'm curious what that means to you as a filmmaker, but then also in a national context, what does being an Australian filmmaker mean for you as well? I've, I've shot almost all my projects either in Perth or I've shot a few in the Eastern States as well, but I always come back to Perth because I grew up in 2J and I've always spent a lot of time in Perth as well, like I went to school there. As an artist, I want to incorporate my experiences into my work and I want to be able to see how other people have done that as well because living in the area of Western Australia, in terms of like geography and culture and everything, it's very unique and there's 
a lot of things to explore that you don't often see on the screen because there just simply isn't much Western Australian content that we can view. And that's what I love most about Western's WA Made Film Festival because you get to see your own culture on the screen. I think that's, as a Western Australian filmmaker, that's a really cool thing. It's not only cool in the sense that you're getting to see the city on screen and stuff and getting to see familiar places, but it's also getting to hear WA people and getting to see how other WA folks see the state that we live in, which is always so exciting because it's it's so interesting to see what people come up with, how they react with the world. And it's like you talking about the different locations that you've made this film in. It's fascinating to see how you've managed to pull that all together and create this really quite uh, haunting experience. So I'm excited to see where you go as a filmmaker from here and, and itching to see a feature film from you in the future. Is that the the short-term goal is to get a feature film done? Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to work towards the goal of making a feature film in the next five years, hopefully. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Once again, congratulations on the work and congratulations on getting into WA Made Film Festival. It's going to be exciting. I, under, I Is there anything else that you're keen on catching at the festival? So I'm going to the Ben Young Masterclass. I, def- I definitely want to go to another screening, but I haven't decided on which one yet. I'll have to figure that out quickly because they seem to be selling out. <laughs> Love this podcast? Support it and sponsor today. Simply head to OzCastNetwork.com for details. Let Safeway help you unleash your globe with your favorite personal care products. Right now with Safeway, get great deals on all your favorite personal care products. Like Head & Shoulders Base Shampoo, Crest 3D Whitening Toothpaste, Listerine Antiseptic Mouthwash, Sensodyne Sensitivity Fresh Toothpaste, Degree Women Antiperspirant Deodorant, or Soft Soap Liquid Hand Soap. Visit Safeway.com or head into your local Safeway store for more deals and specific details. <laughs> 